Coming down Poinsettia, Chapter 8, Penthouse Slammer. The 20-something-year-old woman who opened the door at Rosemary's Penthouse, um, I did not know this lady. She was gorgeous. She had a thick English accent, raven hair, dark eyes, mm, ivory skin. She was beautiful. B introduced us. But before I could even say a fucking thing, this beautiful woman stepped in front of me and planted her lips squarely on mine, and it wasn't a peck kiss, folks. It wasn't a tongue kiss. But it was one of those partially open mouth, like I'm super friendly with you, kind of I feel the inside warmth of your lips kiss. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal now, but back then it was fucking gigantic. I'd like to at least know your fucking name before we start swapping body fluids. That was just me. As I didn't mind it. She was gorgeous. It was just as forward as anybody. I, I, I still, Angela, you thought, as aggressive as she had been, I would have been used to it by now. Not a fucking chance. I'm not bitching. I'm not complaining. It's just, it was heavy for me, you know? She introduced herself as Karen when her lips parted, and my boner finally fucking went down. And I introduced myself as Brit. What do you expect? This whole fucking thing was a charade as far as I was concerned. I didn't even know where I was. Everything that I was experiencing wasn't really happening. What the fuck was I doing here? But I wasn't bitching. I'm not going to try to get poetic in describing Rosemary's apartment. I'm just going to lay it out for you as I saw it. Karen pulled me in from the hall. Naturally, as a 19-year-old, the first thing I saw was the fucking bar. Oh, yeah. This wasn't no piss-ant minibar. No, no. This is a big, full, hooded bar down at the end of a load-bearing wall. Yeah. Right in front of the fucking door. Yeah, all I had to do was walk the length of that load-bearing wall. And there was a fully stocked hooded fucking bar down there waiting on me. It has to be fully stocked. Nobody has a bar like that with nothing in it. I was only that anxious because I was underage. I've been on a bus for three fucking days. I needed a drink in a bad, bad way. I didn't want to impose. I'd play nice, but the very fucking second anybody offered shit, I was going to take it. Anyway, Karen pulled me in from the hallway. We're in the landing. She closed the door behind me, and there's the bar. And looky there, to my left, there is a big living room, big white sectional with the chase, the center of it, a few young ladies sitting on the sectional. There's a fireplace over in the corner, a TV up on a stand. Just to the right of that was a hallway, obviously leading to some bedrooms. And just to the right of the landing we were standing on, there was another hallway leading to some bedrooms. It was a big place. But what got my attention was what was behind Rosemary's big chase. The sliding glass doors leading to the roof. Wow. I could see other buildings and even skyscrapers and shit outside. B and Rosemary were talking, you know, quietly at the end of the bar. I want to go out on the roof. Well, 
Karen had plans for me, and it wasn't on the roof, no. She took me by the hand, led me around the sectional. Stopped right next to the coffee table in front of the girls. I didn't even look at the girls sitting on the sectional. I was just tired, and ah, shit. Karen introduced me, but I was still looking outside. Stan, this is Serena, Samantha, and Jenny. I got my fucking attention. Jenny, B's roommate? <laughs> sure as hell, it was Jenny. And she was all dolled up. She looked great. Nice little skirt and halter top, and her hair was done. Hi, Jenny. I said, smiling ear to ear, somewhat surprised. What are you doing here? Hi, she said. I just wanted to come see you. Really? Yeah, she smiled. That was strange to me. I thought B's roommates hated my fucking guts. Jenny looked great. Well, Karen didn't allow me to fawn over Jenny too much. She, uh, once again, just took my hands against my will and um, moved me into position right in front of her. In her heels, she was a few inches shorter than me, but I could still feel that beautiful leg of hers go between mine. Dance with me, baby, she purred my ear. Real quick, I glanced back over. B was still talking to Rosemary. They weren't even paying attention to us. I hadn't been in the apartment a minute. So awkwardly, strangely, I allowed this dance to take place. Jenny and the other two girls didn't say anything as Karen and I just sat there and pivoted in front of the sectional, rocking slowly back and forth together. Yeah, her hands around my waist, my hands kind of on her shoulders around, yeah. It was strange, no music or nothing. But I played along. I, I really just wanted a fucking drink. Preferably out on the roof. I wondered if B or Rosemary were watching this shit. I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like the guy sitting in the back of my car. Yeah, when I was mulling dope in shithole apartments. What do you do? Run? This time, Why? Thirty minutes prior, I'd been on a coach bus following a 2,000-mile trek cross-country. Things were moving real fucking fast. The impromptu dance was you know, just what my friend Barrick would call just another ugly chapter. Feeling Karen's body pressed up against mine, though, was not unpleasant. No, not in any sense of the fucking word. I was actually starting to enjoy it and not give a damn, looking forward to my drink, when suddenly... Karen's hands went right over my Levi'd ass and gave both cheeks a good squeeze. Ooh, nice ass, her voice reverberated against my chest. This time, the girls on the sofa, including Jenny, all busted out laughing. Immediately, I broke from Karen stepping back, looking down in embarrassment. Are you shy? She whispered. Yeah. I was shy, but I didn't say that. I just kept looking down, smiling. To my relief, Rosemary, woman I'd never met, but would someday definitely fucking hate, would be the one to save me from that <coughs> ugly chapter. Without warning, Rosemary stepped in between Karen and I. Enough, Karen, she ordered. Rosemary was 52 years old, 
slender, probably about five seven, five eight, blotchy white skin, cold black hair. She always had in a fucking ponytail, and without doubt, she was always in that white, flowing, fucking stereotypical nightgown, ass-stained-up nightgown. I met her that night. She was in that silky white nightgown, barefoot, had a big-ass glass of brandy in one hand, empty hand in the other. Stepped right up in front of me, put her hand on my face, and just like the other ladies, kissed me square on the lips. Thank you, Britt. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for me. It's, It's okay, I said. I didn't get a hard-on, not a semi, nothing when she kissed me. Would you like something to drink? She asked. Fucking A. Thank God. Yeah, I... Do you happen to have a beer? I asked as if oblivious to the gigantic fucking bar behind me. You bet. She took my hand, led me around the bar the way Karen had led me around the sectional. Only this time, she didn't want to dance with me. She wanted to show me where the beer well was. Holy shit. I'll open a bottle of champagne, too, she said in a gruffly voice. Right next to the beer well, there was a refrigerated credenza filled with bottles of wine and champagne. Are you fucking kidding me? That's not to mention the mirrored glass shelves in the back of the bar filled with every liqueur and whiskey you can fucking imagine. That was the highlight of my evening right there. Shit, yeah, getting off that bus and being driven straight to a liquor store where strange, good-looking women were kissing me. That's right. Well, all of them except for one. Yeah, and the other one was rubbing her body up against me. Yeah, he just won't let me go out on the goddamn roof. Rosemary showed me the beer well full of Ice-cold Mickey's lager. Big mouth. Yeah, Mickey's big mouth. I couldn't fucking believe it. I nearly downed the first one, and she was sweet enough to let me have another and then another. We sat there in Rosemary's sectional in her living room. B, Rosemary, me, and I think Jenny went home. They discussed the wedding, went back and forth about it, but I could hardly give a shit. I, I almost still couldn't believe it was real. I was going to marry Beatrice. Barrick's girlfriend. No shit. They were serious. Yeah, I was here. I was still kind of hoping to hell that Barrick had intended for this to happen. After all, he's the one that gave her the fucking phone number to Oklahoma. He must have wanted this, so was our friendship still intact? I didn't know. I didn't know I was getting a buzz on the uh, Mickey's Big Mouth, yeah. I really didn't care. I noticed that Rosemary had a tremendous amount of cats walking around the penthouse. I mean, at first I thought I kept seeing the same cat, but then I realized it kept changing size and color and shit, and then I realized I was like seeing like five cats. She had a lot of fucking cats in there. Anyway, I was drinking beer, and I was starting to get a little bit of a buzz. They were talking about the wedding. Can I go out on the roof? I interrupted Rosemary as she was talking. Oh, yeah, sure, hon, go ahead. She smiled, spilling a little bit of her brandy and pointing towards the glass sliding doors. Fuck yeah, this is all I'd been waiting on. I got up from the couch and stepped around Rosemary's chase. 
Oh, shit. I walked around a bunch of phones and answering machines and phone books and cords and shit everywhere. A bunch of fucking stumbled past the phone books and the ashtrays and shit and got over to the sliding door, opened it up, and it let out into what looked like just a regular apartment building balcony. A stone wall balcony. Except the stone wall on the side and had a tiny gate. Opened up and let me out under the roof. Blast a Southern California Pacific wind shot right across me as soon as I stepped out. Woke me up. Fuck. There were lights all around me. Yeah, there was the downtown skyscrapers, but I couldn't take my eyes off the Carlton. <laughs> I looked back towards Rosemary's apartment to see if anybody followed me out, but all the girls were still inside sitting there talking. <laughs> I was going to marry one of them, the really good-looking blonde, yeah. <laughs> finished my beer. I went back inside and sat down with the girls and was completely blindsided by a proposition. Be informed me, informed me during the conversation that she's soon going to be going to be leaving for a couple of weeks to go back to Denmark to see her family. Okay, that was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. I wasn't going with her, I didn't think, was I? No, baby, she said. You stay here with Rosemary. Huh? I said, a little stunned, under the watchful eye of Rosemary, who was sitting on her chase, beaming at me, with a big, drunken, brandy grin on her face. Yes, baby, you're going to stay here while I go see my parents. This wasn't in Beatrice's idea. Wasn't my idea. It was Rosemary's idea. She offered to hire me, to live there in the penthouse with her, and to work for her, around the clock, for $500 cash a week, under the table. I mean, at first it came out like just another job. Can you paint? Can you, like, work tools and stuff? Yeah, yeah, Rosemary, I can, I said, watching her pour herself another glass of brandy from the large bottle she had sitting on the coffee table between us. My skills were novice at best, but I said, yeah. She asked if I could build a bookshelf. I've got all this damn lumber in my room, and I wanted to put together a nice bookcase. <coughs> Or something around the headboard of my bed back there, she explained. Oh, be approved while sitting next to me at the end of the big white sectional. Yeah, yeah, no problem, my reassuring words slurred. The extent of my woodworking ability had come from 8th grade shop at Madison Middle School back in Oklahoma. Hey, wasn't going to keep me from claiming to be a skilled carpenter. Especially for $500 cash under the table? Are you shitting me? Yeah. I can, yeah. I'm great at it. I can stain the wood, too, if you need me to. Before I could finish my sentence, one of the telephones by Rosemary's Chase rang. She held her finger up to silence me and picked it up. Classic touch, a touch of class. About that time, B pulled my arm and motioned that we should go. I was grateful that Beatrice didn't drink. <laughs> At least not much anyway, because I tell you, I was buzzing pretty good when we left. 
Went back downstairs out to B's car, and yeah, the flag was still there. We thought somebody might have pulled it out of the back of the car, but it was still there. We jumped in the car and head out in the night. It was about one thirty. We arrived back at B's apartment just for two. Uh, I feel good about returning to B's apartment. I mean, maybe it was because it, it was a familiar place, you know. It was strange to be alone with her like that, but eh, I felt real comfortable just the same. Beatrice was, goddamn, she was really sweet in her own way, and and I was happy to have her as a friend, and the truth is she was carrying my ass, but I was helping her too, I guess. She parked the car in the parking garage, and we took the elevator up all the way to the top floor. I really loved the Alta Vista apartments. It was so new. It was nice that the beautiful place would now be my new home, at least for a little while. I stepped into the living room and dropped my bag after we entered. Oh, no, baby, B protested. Put your things in the bedroom. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's right. I put things in the bedroom. I picked up the bag and I walked down the hall while she made us each a drink in the kitchen. Another drink. Uh, okay. Now, there was a second bedroom in the apartment, like I say. I know James slept in there, and Jenny did too. Now, James is gay, so I guess nothing was going on. It was none of my business. I was too fucking tired. The door was closed anyway. I walked to the master bedroom at the end of the hall. B's room was a really good-sized one. Large king-size bed graced the center wall with one of those huge spider-arm-like lamps hanging over the top of it. There's a sitting chair in the corner of the room next to the window. A bathroom in the opposite corner towards the interior of the apartment. And a walk-in closet behind the bedroom door. Though B had instructed me to take my stuff in there... I, I was still a little apprehensive, you know. Part of me felt still like I shouldn't be there. I should be sleeping on the fucking couch. <laughs> ah, I dropped my back at the foot of the bed and I started to undress. My body was fucking thrashed. I was filthy. I was stinky. I was so tired. I know my feet must have fucking reeked. Hey, um, B? I asked kind of sheepishly. Yeah, baby. I heard her softly cry from the kitchen. Shit, forgetting that James and Jenny were sleeping. You mind if I hop in the shower? I reciprocated back. Oh, yeah, baby, go. You go. She smiled, peering over the kitchen counter at me. Room was dark, so I took all my clothes off the foot of the bed and dropped them on my bag next to my boots. I stepped into the restroom, turned on the light, and shut the door. Once again, it just felt good to... Be out of clothes in B's restroom there. I mean, wasn't as good as that hotel shower I took after sleeping in my car for a month, but it was a close second. <laughs> uh, after I got out of the shower and toweled off, I slipped on a pair of shorts, and I messed around in the bedroom a little bit until B called me to the kitchen for the drinks. We stood at the kitchen bar and quietly conversed about, you know, what had transpired between her and Barrick. She told me it had really hurt her feelings when he had refused to help her. B called it helping her. I called it marrying her. 
B was an intelligent woman. She had to have known a guy like Bear. Ah, shit. He'd never go for something like that. He had parents right over in Hacienda Heights. Yeah. There's no way Bear was ever going to marry her. No way. Why in the hell would he sacrifice all that to help somebody gain their citizenship? Somebody he had met in acting class. That just wasn't my friend. He wasn't going to do it. It was asking a bit much. And of course, that's where I came in. I was the stray dog B needed. Instability was a standby of mine. I was perfect. Didn't know my real dad and had an abusive stepfather. Once resided at the Don Dominguez Apartments. My credentials are in order, ma'am. You need a legal immigration status, no fucking problem. Just ask. I'd ride that fucking wave as far as it'd take me. You bet. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I had cold feet about the whole fucking thing. I was going to roll the dice anyway, but I dreaded the thought of moving back to Oklahoma more than I dreaded the thought of getting married again. After our drinks, I climbed into the bed. It felt so good to be in it. Those long bus trips really fucking hurt. Toilet flush in the master bath. The light went dark. Even though it did, there was just enough light. The door opened. I could see B. She stepped out completely naked. It was the first time I'd seen her naked since the first day we had met. She slipped under the covers without saying a word and curled right up next to me. I affectionately wrapped my right arm around her. My hand slid down her back and around her waist as her long right leg found a place over my stomach. Ah, feeling her naked body next to me was nice, but exciting as it was, I was fucking exhausted. I fell asleep within minutes. I was really that tired. I didn't stir from sleep until about 10 o'clock the next morning. B wasn't in bed when I woke up, but I could hear her talking to somebody in the living room. Bedroom door was closed, but I could still hear her. Sounded like she was on the phone speaking in Danish. I'm sure she was probably giving her parents an update about, you know, my arrival or something. I remember not feeling completely comfortable as of yet, you know? I mean, I'd slept good. I enjoyed being around B. Especially when she's naked, curled up next to me all night. But I was still a little unsure about what I was supposed to do next, you know? What am I supposed to do? Should I should I got my ass out of bed earlier? Would B be pissed that I'd slept in so fucking late? Should I be doing something at the moment? I mean, it was just new territory. I'd never been there before. I just didn't know what the fuck I was supposed to do. Rolled out of bed, threw on a clean t-shirt from my bag and cautiously walked out into the living room. Hey, baby, B nearly shouted when I stepped out from the hall. She was sitting on the couch wearing a pair of gym shorts and tank top. She had her feet up on the sofa, pulled them off and patted the empty space next to her for me to sit down. Light from the late morning sun damn near blinded me. I walked over and plopped down while she continued a conversation on the phone. Hi, hon, I mumbled. Sorry I slept so late. That's okay, baby, she whispered while kissing me on the corner of the mouth. She spoke to who I'm guessing is her mom and dad on the phone for a few more minutes, and after she got off the phone, she gave me a kiss and made us an espresso. 
I thought we were supposed to be plutonic, but like I say, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> she told me that her mom and dad and sister were going to fly in from Denmark for the wedding, but, well, first she was going to have to go back to Denmark to help them, and while she was gone, I'd be staying with Rosemary. I didn't give a shit. I was living in West Hollywood, and I was just pretty fucking happy about that. As a matter of fact, I'd already made plans to go reconnect with Susan Strasberg, let her know I, I lived in town now, and shit, the way things were looking, I, I might have enough money to actually pay for my fucking classes. After we were done with our espressos, we got dressed, and B and I headed out for the local grocery store. See, kids, back in the olden times, there was one place where all the Hollywood kids had to go buy food. Yeah, but wasn't the fucking farmer's market, because that was expensive. Why, it was Ralph's. Yeah. I'm talking about the bring home and actually have to know how to cook a fucking meal kind of food. Ralph's grocery store was it. We all shopped there. Rock stars, wannabe rock stars, movie stars, wannabe movie stars, comedians, television stars, degenerates, hookers, deviants, homeless people. Anybody that didn't have money knew where to make the blue stripe generic beer runs, you bet your sweet ass. It was Ralph's Grocery Store. The only fucking grocery store I'd ever been to where you could buy vanilla wafers and a bottle of Jack Daniels in the same goddamn aisle. There were no security tags back then. Fuck that. We were a little more honorable. Yeah, we'd drink the shit in the store. There were no lock-in mechanisms keeping the booze in place. Fit the jack set right on the shelf next to the fucking cookies. Now let us talk about the steaks. Ralph's meat department was typical of all meat departments back then, and I certainly consumed some delicious steak dinners from that meat department. I just don't remember ever paying for one. You see, over time, I stole the equivalent of two or more head of cattle shoved down the front of my fucking pants from that grocery store. I don't think I was the only one to do it. I mean, even when money wasn't tight, I, I just stole the steaks. I remember the dipshits who would buy London broils. What are you, a fucking moron? That's what you get when you send somebody who listens to White Lion to the fucking grocery store to pick up dinner. If I said I was going to Ralph's to pick up dinner, you can bet your ass I was literally going there to pick up dinner. And it wouldn't be shit. Yeah, being from Oklahoma, I knew my cuts of beef. London broil. I well, they, they title it that so you'll be dumb enough to steal it. Well, I'm sorry, in your case, well, they title it fancy so you'll be dumb enough to buy it. Fucking morons. The next couple of days, I hung around Alta Vista Apartments. I mean, there really wasn't a lot for me to do. B put me on the lease, gave me the code for the door of the complex, and the keys to the apartment. Then one afternoon, completely by surprise, I guess tired of seeing me sit around all day, B made good on her promise to get me a new motorcycle. Kind of. The new motorcycle was actually a Suzuki Ninja she had already purchased, but hey, she pitched me the keys. Here go, baby. Are you serious? I asked, somewhat stunned. Yeah, baby, go have fun. It's parked in the garage. Go take for a ride, baby. 
I asked no questions. I got up immediately and put my fucking boots on. I had a couple of hundred dollars in my pocket. And now I had a red and black 650cc ninja down in the garage at my disposal. I mean, at the time, that was the coolest fucking bike on the street. Hell of a lot sweeter than my leopard skin motorcycle back in Long Beach somewhere. You blow me a pair of her spectacle shades. I put them on. You pet kiss goodbye. I head downstairs to the parking garage. Now, I'm supposed to tell you that I got on that bike and cruised Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset to go see the Troubadour and the Rainbow and all that shit. No, 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 no. I'd already seen all that. Yeah, all those times I'd been up there with Mark and Jessica and everybody. Shit. I didn't need to see that again. I had to get familiar with that new bike. I'd never ridden a bike like that before at Suzuki Ninja. It was crotch rocket. I'd grown up on dirt bikes and enduros and even street bikes, but never one where I felt like my ass was perched up in the air. Motor purred as I pulled up to the uh, magnetized metal gate of the parking garage of Alta Vista Apartments, pulled out and hung a left. I cruised around on Fountain a bit, Santa Monica. Saw where they filmed a couple of scenes for Lethal Weapon. Hey, here's Barney's Beanery and first time saw Warner Brothers Studio and pulled into the Formosa Cafe across the street to have my first beer. Met Lim for the very first time, too. The day finally came. B was to set out for Denmark. There were no big send-off or long goodbyes. As a matter of fact, I almost forgot she was fucking leaving. Yeah, night before she reminded me that yeah, I'd be going to Rosemary's the next day, and, well, I had to do a late-night load of laundry so I'd have some clean clothes to wear. Shit, yeah, I forgot. Early the next morning in her little red Toyota, she drove me to Rosemary's on her way to the LAX. I'd be back in two or three weeks, baby, she said from the driver's side window. I slung my bag over my shoulder and looked up at the floors of my new digs. Okay, hon, I said, closing the back door. I'll see ya. I'd barely got it out before B sped off down the street. <laughs> that was it. That was quick, I thought. There weren't anything spectacular about my arrival at Rosemary's either. I mean, this was like, you know, a penthouse apartment with roof access. I mean, I suppose I, I expected a big welcome, but I didn't give one. There was no security guard that day, so after buzzing me in... I just went straight up in the elevator. Front door of the apartment was open when I got up there. Rosemary's on the phone when I walked in. She muffled the receiver when she saw me. Your room's the first door on the left, right down that hall there, Britt. She directed with the point of her finger. Okay, I mumbled, closing the front door and walking behind the sectional towards the hall. I was happy to see that the bar was still there and fully stocked. Going to wrap it up this week for Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 7, Penthouse Slammer. Next Wednesday, 8 p.m., Chapter 9, Cartier Changes Everything. And the Joke Man Show will be back on Friday, high noon. Tell me, bye, Candios, me amigos.
and it flows like water burning with the hope of inside feathers. Books the colors of a bright elation stolen in the side. 